You're listening to PetLifeRadio.com. Okay, class, take your seats. I said take your seats. Class, sit. I swear you're all acting like a bunch of animals. Pet Life Radio presents Teacher's Pet, where you'll learn how to understand and communicate with your pet and train them to be the best pet they can be. It's time to see the world from your pet's point of view. So give a tail-wagging welcome to your Teacher's Pet host on PetLifeRadio.com. You may even learn a few tricks yourself. Hi, welcome to Teacher's Pet on Pet Life Radio. This is Pia Silvani, Director of Training and Behavior at St. Hubert's Animal Welfare Center in Madison, New Jersey, and your host. I'd like to welcome this week's special guest and a longtime friend, Robin Bennett. After successfully... Oh, and that must be Robin already. That is. Good. My dog's welcoming you. Yeah, excellent, excellent. We like that on the show. That's what the show's all about. <laughs> oh, after successfully owning and operating her own daycare facility for many, many years, um, Robin now is offering doggy daycare consulting services around the country, as well as running All About Dogs located in Northern Virginia. Her business consists of dog training classes, behavior modification lessons, and more. When she's not dealing with dogs and enjoying the company of her husband, Greg, and their two children, Robin is a lieutenant colonel in the U.S. Marine Corps Reserve. So, to say the least, she's one busy lady. Robin's popular book, All About Dog Daycare, A Blueprint for Success, is for new and existing dog daycare owners. I found this book really, honestly, to be one of the best on the market, and I it's a must. If you're thinking about offering this as a service, or perhaps you're just looking for ideas, or you're even thinking about bringing your dog to daycare. She's also co-authored a book with Susan Briggs called Off-Leash Dog Play, a complete guide to safety and fun. So, before we chat with Robin, let's take a short break to hear from our sponsors. Okay, class, grab your tuna flakes, biscuits, and bones. Teacher's Pet will be back in two shakes of a tail, right after recess. It's time for school for you and your friends, your furry best friends. Train your dog the fun and easy way with Teacher's Pet Sessions. Teacher's Pet host Pia Silvani teaches you step-by-step how to train your dog the fun and easy way. You get eight 30-minute live audio training sessions, complete transcripts of each session, plus a basic training manual to get you and your dog off to a great start. Training begins the moment you bring your dog home. Teacher's Pet Sessions offers positive reinforcement training to shape your dog's behavior and encourages upbeat, enthusiastic responses to ensure that your dog will enjoy learning. Teacher's Pet Sessions dog training is fun at both ends of the leash. So listen, learn, and laugh with your dog with Teacher's Pet Sessions. Get your copy of Teacher's Pet Sessions Volume 1 today. To order, go to teacherspetsessions.com. Hi, this is Pia Silvani, your host. Bring your dog, tug toy, and treats, and get ready to have some fun. TeachersPetSessions.com Pawfume Dog Grooming and Finishing Spray is proud to be a new sponsor of Pet Life Radio. Pawfume's super long-lasting sprays are available in four unique fragrances. Each Pawfume spray is fortified with the finest conditioners and detanglers to make combing out your dog more fun. Pawfume retails for only $2 per 6-ounce bottle. 
Perfume is available nationwide at all Dollar General and Family Dollar stores. Why pay more to have your dog smell great? Perfume, P-A-W-F-U-M-E. From Paris, New York, and around the globe, get ready for the hip, the trendy, the uber cool where pets rule. If you've got a passion for pet fashion and a flair for animal wear, this is the ultimate place to take a peek at what's chic in the world of designer pet fashion and cool new pet products. The Pet Set, every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. Okay, class, hang up your collars and leashes. Teacher's Pet is back in session. Now park yourselves on the floor. I said park, not bark. Okay, Teacher's Pet. Pay attention. There may be a quiz later. Welcome back. This is Pia Salwani, host of Teacher's Pet on Pet Life Radio. I'd like to welcome our special guest today, Robin Bennett, who will be talking to us about running a daycare program, as well as things for you, the dog owner, to look for and ask when you're visiting daycare facilities. Hi, Robin. How are you? Good. Yeah, thanks for having me. Good. Yes, we already had a welcome from your dog. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> a few questions. The first question I just want to ask is, um, I've heard so many people this has been years and years to wanting to open up um, a daycare business in, in one form or another. Before they jump into it, what are some of the key points that you would recommend to people that are thinking about starting up? Well, I guess they're the obvious business side of the equation, you know, having a business plan and the funding and all of that. In terms of daycare facilities that are standalone facilities, I usually tell people they need about two years in order to start making a profit. So there's that business side of it, but I think even more importantly, because I think most people get that they need the business part, um, but I think more importantly is the understanding of dog behavior, which is very, very important in running any kind of group where you have off-leash dog play going on. And I think that's the part most people underestimate, and they just kind of think, well, we get a bunch of dogs together, they're all going to do the right things, and everything will be great, and that's not actually the case. And so... I think it's really important to make sure you get that education before you start bringing dogs in to a group together to start playing off leash. Yeah, that's a really good point. I, I think many times people misinterpret it thinking like it's just they're going to a dog park to play for, you know, but it's just going to be longer periods of play when you and I both know we're doing behavior work that there's a lot more involved. Right, exactly. And I think they really need that education. And if they don't have it, making sure they partner with somebody who has that education that can, you know, team up with them. Because the problem with opening a daycare without that is you will learn, but you're learning and you're, unfortunately, your mistakes are being made on, you know, people's pets. And often that results in some kind of an injury to the animal. And that's just not the best way to learn when you're practicing with some, you know, an animal that's going home to a family and is going to be taken care of and, you just need to get that experience before you start bringing that into your into your office. Excellent point. Excellent. What I don't think people realize is that this is not only a full-time business, but it could be if you're going to incorporate boarding into it. It's it's a 24/7 program as well. And what are some of the problems that you came across when you were running your daycare so people can be aware of what they're possibly getting into? Well, there's 
two key problems that always come up over and over and over, and now they're just the two things I always tell people to watch out for. Before you ever even open, the very first problem you're going to run into most of the time is zoning, getting the county to allow you to actually have a daycare facility because daycare is so new that most counties and city governments don't even recognize it as an existing business. So you try to go get the zoning and they look at you like you're crazy and they don't have any way for you to fit into the county regulations. So that can sometimes be a challenge in convincing them that you want to be close enough to the city that people can easily drop their dogs off and yet, you know, you don't belong to anything that is classically zoned for that type of location. So a lot of people go through months and months of struggling with their county or city government to figure out where they can even open. With boarding, it's a little bit easier because you are going to normally be in in an agricultural area or something that's already zoned for a kennel, but those locations don't always work well for daycare if you're dropping dogs off every day because sometimes they're a little bit off the beaten path. So that can be the first struggle. The second struggle, once you get open, is actually staff and making sure you have the staff member there all the time because for daycare especially, it's a heavily involvement of the staff. You have to have people on site all the time with the dogs. So anytime, I recommend anytime the dogs are interacting, you have at least one staff member. And typically I recommend one person for every about 10 to 15 dogs, depending on the size of the dogs and the experience of the staff. But as you know, for a place that opens at maybe 6.30 or 7 in the morning and is closing at 7 at night just for the daycare portion, that's a lot of staff members because you have to have a change of shifts. And then if you're doing overnight boarding, you may have additional staff that are taking care of the boarding dogs. So getting those staff and keeping the staff and training the staff is just a nonstop evolution. So that's a really huge challenge um, to get those people and keep them motivated and keep them with the, with the business so that you aren't continuously training and training and training. So those are probably the two biggest things that, that really are, are hard. And, of course, you know, if the staff doesn't show up, the dogs are still mm. there. So you know who ends up being <laughs> there is the owner. So That's true. Working quite a few hours. I, I always tell people when they start their business, and I've had my business now for 15 years, and people say, oh, it must be great to be a business owner because you get to set your own schedule and do whatever <laughs> you want. And I just laugh. I mean, it is that way for me now. I have a lot more freedom, but those first three to five years, I was probably the worst boss you would ever imagine on myself because if the work's not getting done, it's got to get done, and you're the only one <laughs> there to do yep. it. So yeah. it's, I always tell people, really be prepared to work really, really hard. And it's, I think you just don't even imagine how hard you're going to be working until you're doing it. So. True. True. Yeah. And we're our worst critiques too. I mean, exactly. it's our own business and we want people to do it the way we expect it to be done. And we just can't expect that all the time. Exactly. I, my staff now kind of jokes with me because I, for a long time, I was a perfectionist and i now I'm trying to just say, okay, 80% is good enough. 80% is good enough because <laughs> it is. It's, I think for most entrepreneurs, we tend to be perfectionists and sometimes that's not a good thing because we can drive ourselves crazy too. But you're a Marine too. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I have all those things. They're all my strengths or all my weaknesses at the same time. That's so. right. <laughs> Many people love dogs, but you and I both know there's more to just loving dogs. And there are a lot of books on the market, but I really, really liked your little off-leash play dog book um, since it covered canine social language in a very simple way. 
do you feel doggy daycare is for all dogs? And if not, um, what should daycare owners or even people thinking about bringing their dog there, maybe observing the dogs, what should they be looking for? I really don't think it's for all dogs. And that's so um, hard for me, for people to hear me say, because I do obviously advocate understanding canine body language and I do consulting for daycare. So I think often everyone assumes that I think daycare is for every dog and I really don't. I don't think off-leash dog play or dog parks or play groups are for every dog. And then every type of daycare or play group or dog park isn't right for every dog. So it's so much about part of it is the age of the dog. I really tell people to look at how old your dog is because typically it's like humans. I, you know, used to love going on the playground when I was a little kid, but I go to the playground now and I sit on the bench and I'm perfectly content to watch the children (laughs) playing. I don't want to be on the playground myself. And I think dogs are like that. I think younger dogs under about three generally have a good time playing with other dogs. When they get a little bit older, They like to play, but I don't think they like to play for as long or as hard as some of the younger adolescent dogs do. So I think that's a big issue. I think making sure they're playing with the right playmates. Um, My lab loves to play very physically, but he is not a good playmate for some of the calmer dogs that just want to run around and maybe touch each other's paws, but they don't want to get body slammed, which is what he wants to do. So sometimes it's not even about is it a good dog for a playgroup is it's more as the playgroup right for one particular dog and I think size of the of the playgroup matters again for my dog he's loves to play with small groups he's really good with four or five or six dogs but if I put him in a group of 10 or 11 he's he becomes aggressive I think just because he gets too aroused it's just too much for him and so I think all of those questions have to go into you know does your dog really like it and can you does, is the dog actively seeking out other dogs or are they hiding under a, a rock or under a bench and saying, oh, I really don't want to be here? And I think, I think probably the biggest issue is if, it's, if your dog doesn't like it, that's perfectly okay. And mm-hmm. doesn't mean your dog, there's anything wrong with your dog. It really, I think most dogs want to play with a few dogs but maybe don't want to meet every single or don't want to play with every single dog they meet. And I think that's totally fair. I think that's how people are too. Absolutely. I had, having owned Goldens for 20 years, then switching over to Belgians, the, the herding breeds, my dogs don't like playing with more than one other dog. Right. <laughs> so it, they are very different. So we have to think about breeds too. Yep. Yeah, exactly. But a lot of people also, they think that the dogs need to play for eight hours. You know, they're there, they pay for eight hours of play. Um, you again. You and I both know that's that's not realistic. What what do you say to people if that's their expectation? I usually try to tell them that we want to keep them on some kind of cycle that's fairly normal for a dog. And I mean, if you watch your dogs, I'm I work out of my house a lot of times. My dogs are active for an hour or so, and then they're they're ready to sleep for several hours. And so I really think it's doing a disservice to let the dogs play too much because it keeps them too heat up and doesn't really give them a chance to rest. So I like to see play groups or daycare where at least every two to four hours the dogs are getting a break, where they're physically put someplace where they can lay down and totally relax. And I actually did not start out my daycare that way. I started out with the dogs were out the whole day. And I assumed, you know, they did take rest on their own. But then I went to a point where I started giving a nap time where I put every dog down for a nap for a two-hour period in the day. And the change in the dogs in the afternoon play groups was tremendous. So that Mm. just pointed out to me that they really do need rest. Just like kids get grumpy if 
we don't give them naps. Dogs are the same way. And so I really recommend that a daycare give the dogs breaks during the day. And if you're taking the dog to the dog park, you'll see your dog after an hour or two, he's just laying in, under a tree. He's ready to go home. And so yep. take him home and let him have some sleep. And he'll, you know, he'll be tired probably for the next day. Right, right. Before we go on break, one more question. How do you introduce new dogs into the group and how do you decide? Well, we talked a little bit about which play groups, but talk a little bit more about um, how you introduce new dogs into your groups. The biggest thing I try to do is bring a dog that I know already is fairly calm and non-reactive, and I try to introduce one, only one dog at a time, so I'll never bring you know three dogs at once to meet a brand new dog, and then I'll make sure that everybody is fairly calm. So if I bring a new dog in and he's very excited, I will just let him hang out in the lobby or in the little double-gated area until he calms down because I want very little arousal during that introduction period in order to keep things set up for success because if they're really too crazy that's going to just possibly prevent I mean possibly lend itself into a fight and then I introduce them usually allowing them um, to sniff their noses sniff necks they usually do a little sniffing of the rears and what I'm really looking for is loose body language are they stiffening are they holding their breath are they freezing any of those kinds of things I'm going to call the dogs away from each other and try to start over but usually pretty quickly you can tell if they're relaxed enough to either say, hey, I want to play with you, or at least say, you know, you're no threat to me, but I don't really feel like playing. Either way, that's fine. I'll let them continue to be together, but I'm really trying to avoid any kind of high-energy excitement or stiffening or staring or obviously growling as well during the introduction. Well, perfect. I think that's going to be good advice for people, even if they're bringing a dog into their household. So hang on one second, everyone. Uh, We're going to be right back to talk to Robin a little bit more. um, Start off with puppies after we come back from a break when we hear from our sponsors. So don't go away. Okay, class, grab your tuna flakes, biscuits, and bones. Teacher's pet will be back in two shakes of a tail right after recess. Give your dog some thought with Dog Thoughts. It's the iPhone application that everyone's talking about. What do you think of this? A man in Davis, California says he's invented an application for the iPhone that claims it can read your dog's mind. Huh? No, it's true. Now, I read about it on my cat's Twitter page. That's fine. Jay Leno talked about it, CBS reported on it, and now you can see what all the buzz is about. Created just for dog lovers, Dog Thoughts makes taking photos of your furry best friend more fun. Shake your dog and read his mind. On your iPhone, of course. Take a pic of your pup, shake your phone, and watch as his thoughts appear on the screen. Does he have a bone to pick with you, or is he having a tail-wagging day? Get your Dog Thoughts iPhone app today. Just 99 cents. Go to PetLifeRadioPromotions.com. That's PetLifeRadioPromotions.com. Greetings, human. What planet am I on? Welcome to Pet Planet. Here's a copy of Pet Planet Magazine, Florida's most informative and fun pet resource magazine. It features heartwarming stories and informative articles from local and national pet experts. Excellent. Pet Planet Magazine offers Operation Planet Rescue, helping rescued pets find new homes. And it's available at 500 locations in South and Central Florida and 24-7 on the Internet at PetPlanetMagazine.com. If you're out and about with your pet, you may be featured in paparazzi candid pictures of you 
and your pet. For up-to-date pet-friendly events, activities, and pet-related services and products, Pet Planet Magazine is your final destination. I shall take this magazine home with me. Back to your home planet? No, to my condo in Boca. Pet Planet Magazine. Check them out at www.petplanetmagazine.com or 352-394-8578. It's out of this world. Got questions about your hound's health? Need the facts on Fido's fitness or food? You want to unleash your pup's potential? Well, you've come to the right place with Win with Dogs. Here, we learn how easy it is to naturally improve the lives of our furry friends. So sit, stay, and get ready to win with dogs. With me, Raquel Wynn. Exercise, nutrition, interaction, and love make for one healthy, happy hound. Give yourself the gift of knowledge on demand every week right here at Pet Life Radio with me, Raquel Wynn, and Win with Dogs. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. Okay, class, hang up your collars and leashes. Teacher's Pet is back in session. Now park yourselves on the floor. I said park, not bark. Okay, Teacher's Pet. Pay attention. There may be a quiz later. Welcome back to Teacher's Pet on Pet Life Radio. This is Pia Silvana, your host, and joining us today is Robin Bennett, a trainer, author, and lecturer, talking to us about daycare and play. Welcome back, Robin. Thanks. Let's talk a little bit about puppies. I know you and I both conduct puppy classes, and people will ask me, um, at what age should they bring their dog to or their puppy to daycare? And are there special things that people should look out for? There are. I actually recommend bringing puppies young, depending on the daycare, because I really want puppies to be playing with other puppies for the most part so that they can learn some socialization skills um, but I also want to make sure they're not going to be put in with adult adult dogs that maybe don't like puppies. And the critical thing for me is the age of the puppy as well as the experience of the handlers because a lot of places just figure, well, puppies are easy so anyone can watch the puppies. And that people watching the puppies should be the most experienced people you have on staff. They should really be able to tell what's in the best interest of the puppy. And so anything that bad that happens to a puppy, as you know, will have a lifelong effect on that dog. So I don't really mind. I really want puppies to come in to get socialization, but only if we are really, really careful about making sure we are socializing them properly. And the other issue is that I don't think it should be every day because I've seen dogs that come every, puppies that come every day to daycare and they're missing out on other socialization opportunities because by the time they get home, they're too tired to go out and meet people or go to the shopping centers or that kind of thing and get exposed to the other things they need to be getting exposed to at the young at under 16 weeks. So I think it can't be used as the only method of socialization because they're only getting it socialized with dogs and not the rest of the world. Oh, that's a great point. And I know our producer, Mark, will is probably listening in right now because he just got a brand new puppy. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, like children, not everyone's going to get along. So I'm sure there are times, unfortunately, when fights m- might occur. Uh, tell our audience what some early warning signs might be and how should people deal with a fight if one should occur? Well, we, when we're first teaching people and what we teach when folks go to the dog park is we tell them, 
good play is very, the bodies of the dogs looks very loose, it's very curved, it's very relaxed, and the play is generally lateral, so the dogs are going left and right in relation to each other, and usually they're doing really exaggerated motions, so big up in the air, crazy behaviors that, that look kind of ridiculous and comical. And then the opposing point, which is not so much play, and that's where I usually would try to interrupt, is dogs that are much more stiff or tense or they're, it looks like they're holding their breath, behaviors that are going forward and backward instead of left and right. So the dog that goes in, takes a little nip at somebody and runs away where it's more um, forward, backwards. And the behavior is not exaggerated. It's very specific, minute little behaviors. So we really tell people to start watching for that and then really watching for stress signals. And there's a lot of signals that dogs show prior to the obvious growling snarling, barking, those are the ones that people obviously recognize. But prior to getting that to that point, a dog might show avoidance behavior where they're just trying to turn their head and get and pretend they don't see something that's happening or another dog that's approaching. They um, they often will stiffen. Sometimes they'll just a open mouth, closed mouth is something we teach people all the time. A dog that's panting and then closes its mouth when another dog approaches and doesn't open its mouth again is usually a dog that's starting to get stiff. So we want to maybe interrupt that behavior or call the dogs to us at that point. So a lot of those little signs of stress that you'll start to see build, hopefully you can call the dogs away prior to anything further going along to where a fight might actually happen. If there does, if a fight does happen, the great things about dogs is most of the time you can interrupt them with a loud noise or by trying to startle them in some way, clapping or Sometimes people will have a bowl of water that they'll toss on them, and those often will be enough to just startle the dogs to separate them. If I, I generally tell people not to reach into the fight because you're liable to get bitten, but that is everybody's first gut instinct. Um, but if you are going to reach in, I'll usually tell people to separate the dogs by grabbing their hindquarters instead of trying to grab their neck or head because they're more likely to get bitten that way. And then any other dogs that are in the area, you really want to watch out for those dogs as well because they will sometimes join in in the fray. So if I'm at a dog park and, and a fight breaks out anywhere, I will, whether my dog's involved or not, I will call my dog to me and get my dog under control because I don't want him inadvertently getting involved with the excitement that's going on in another area. So that's something I would pay attention to even if it's not my dog in the fight. Good. Excellent recommendations. I think people will go away with a lot from just those points because we really, this can happen to their own dogs at home too, not necessarily in in a daycare facility or dog park. Right. If I'm thinking, if I'm a client and I'm thinking about looking into bringing my dog to a daycare facility, what should some questions be and what should I be looking for? I would really be asking the staff um, how they supervise, and you want to make sure that's on-site supervision, not, you know, I watch through a video camera, but somebody actually physically with the dogs anytime the dogs are out playing. So that would be my number number one question would be, is there someone on-site when the dogs are playing? And then how many dogs per people? Because like I said, I usually recommend at least one person for every 10 to 15 dogs. If you have you know, one person supervising 20 or 30 dogs, even if the dogs are really doing well, that's just a lot of dogs if something happens for one person to try to take care of. So I think it gets to be unsafe. And then what kind of training have those employees had? What are they taught to look for and what are they taught to do if something goes on 
with the dogs and how are they managing the dogs. I tend to, because I do train with positive methods, all of my daycare handling is also done with positive methods. So I want to make sure the dogs are not, are not being grabbed physically or punished physically. So how does the staff interact with the dogs? And ways that I want to see is that the, the daycare staff is interrupting the dogs with verbal commands, teaching them some obedience so they can call the dogs to them or they walk around and get the dogs to be distracted by somebody walking up to them, but I don't want to hear that they're grabbing the dogs or punishing them or correcting them in any kind of physical way. And then I also want to make sure they're separating the dogs, not only by temperament in terms of how they play, but also by size. So is there just one big group? Because if that if that's the case, I probably don't want to bring my little dog there, but they are if they are separating by size, that's a little bit safer for the dogs. Good. And do you think that um, a dog that's been through, say, a basic obedience training class, do they do better in uh, a daycare setting or does it really not matter? I think typically they do better if they have some training already going in. A good staff will do a little bit of training with the dog, but obviously if they already do respond to commands, that is going to help the staff to to do some obedience with them and reinforce some of that at home. And it gives the dog something to do if if they're getting themselves into trouble, they, the staff can tell them to come or tell them to sit or whatever. And I think it also makes them a little bit more responsive to the staff if they obviously already know commands when they get there. Yeah, so that might encourage them to take an obedience class if they haven't already. Yeah. Lastly, should people look for some type of certification? Is there certification for daycare owners and their helpers? Right now, the main place that's doing any type of certification is the Pet Care Service Association, and they have a voluntary accreditation process, which a facility can go through, and they have not only accreditation for daycare, but also for boarding and for they're doing one for training, but it hasn't been completed yet, but they do have boarding and grooming and all of those other services that, that a lot of facilities offer, including daycare. So that's, that was a great one. They just added the daycare section last year to, to add to their accreditation process. So PCSA is a great resource for anybody that's looking for a facility or is, has a facility and wants to get more certification. What's the name of that again, Robin? It's the Pet Care Service Association. Okay. All right. So people can look that up if they're interested. Well, unfortunately, we're out of time. Next week, don't forget, training session coming up brand new. So don't forget to bring your dog, tug toy, and treats. I'd like to thank Robin for joining us. Um, You can learn more about daycare and play by going to her website at allaboutdogdaycare.com. That's a mouthful, Robin. (laughs) It is. Or allaboutdogsinc.com. And Robin, if anyone's interested in getting um, either one of your books, uh, where can they obtain those? They can get those at the allaboutdogdaycare.com website. There's um, the Office Dog Play books are on there. We also have a set of three posters and brand new that just came out are some pocket guides for, for staff members that is a, like a laminated fold-out guide that you can easily have to show some of the signals, stress signals and body play styles and breed play styles and that kind of thing. So all of that's on the website. Yeah, very, very well needed. Special thanks to our producers for making this show happen. If you'd like a transcript of this show or any other shows on Pet Life Radio Network, please go to PetLifeRadio.com and click on Teacher's Pet. Also, if you have any questions, ideas, or comments about the show, please email me at Pia at PetLifeRadio.com. 
Robin, thanks so much for joining us. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. That was great. Okay. Until next time, this is Pia signing off. And thank you for your interest in Pet Life Radio. Bye. School's in session on Pet Life Radio with Teacher's Pet. Learn how to communicate with your pet, train your pet, and see the world from your pet's point of view. You may even learn a few tricks yourself. Teacher's Pet, only on PetLifeRadio.com.